Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Shenzhen, Jessica Andrade versus Wiley Zhang. And Shaq, is going down this Saturday in China. Jessica Andrade is making the first defense of her title. Batea Staka, a.k.a. Pile Driver. Jessica Andrade is one of the most exciting fighters in the strawweight division, if not the most exciting. I mean, you don't see girls throwing down in uh, that typical Vanderlei Silva type style. And, you know, Wiley Zhang, man. 19 and 1 I think it is and man she's been a quick ascension to the top you know she's had these three fights and there's a lot of hype on this girl man she's uh she's the real deal so man she had a great fight she has the chance to not only become the first Chinese champion in UFC history but become the first Chinese champion in China and not only that well first 100% Asian because Benson Henderson and Machida have some Asian in their blood I uh, you know, Machida's half Japanese, Asians half uh, Benson's half Korean, but but this is the first. <laughs> this would be the first hundred percent Asian if Zhang is able to pull off the upset and get this win here. Yeah, one hundred percent. And she had a lot of hype coming into her UFC career. I mean, they were uh, showing her knockouts a lot on YouTube, and she earned this right, man. Let's see what she does. And Loki, between you and me, uh, Sakuraba won the UFC tournament back in the day. If that counts. I mean, but if we're going to count that, then we have to count Vitor Belfort as a heavyweight champion. You, you understand what I'm saying here? So, well, with that being said, guys, so I don't know if you guys were watching Bellator the other night, but we have a new sponsored athlete. His name is Tyrell Fortune. He's an undefeated heavyweight in Bellator, currently 7-0. Unbelievable wrestler, unbelievable fighter. He went out there, got the finish, and in honor of that, used the promo code FORTUNE to save 10% off any VIP package, planning to get the job done this weekend in China. And let's get right down to business, Shaq, because first up in the Bantamweight division, we got Dana Batgarel. He's 6-1, and one, and Haile Alatang is 12-7. and seven. Currently, they got Dana Batgarel minus 115 and Haile Alatang is minus 105. Well, Shaq, both these guys making their UFC debut. You got Mongolia versus China. Which way you leaning? This is going to be a good fight to open the card. Now, you got Haile Alatang here. Kind of a journeyman. He's got seven losses on his record. Uh, he had a very rough stretch in his career. At one point, I think he lost three or four in a row. And uh, he bounced back and gathered himself up to earn a UFC shot. Now, you got Dana Bagarol on the other hand. He also took a loss. They actually have a, 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 the same. His, uh, Dana Bagarol's one loss is an, another guy that beat uh, Alatang as well so they got somewhat of a, a common uh, opponents out there but Baccarol has a win over somebody else in this card Kai Car France and a tough tough de decision win that you know he won the first two rounds and you know he had to show his heart and gather himself in the third and because France was coming on strong and he was able to uh to get the job done there it's good to see both of those guys fully developed and in the UFC now I'm sure they're gonna have a nice uh hello but as far as how this fight goes i see highly alatang being slightly a little faster probably more of a little cleaner striker but i see dana backroll being the guy willing to move forward the guy you know yeah he might take a shot he's gonna be able to get his point across ultimately walk this guy down land the more punches and you know yeah his face might be bloody at the end of it but i feel like he's got you know the necessary takedown defense in the open and this guy's a striker you know i feel like uh Baccarol, he struggles when he gets kicks caught and then you know his one loss you know he did get smashed on the mat so i don't think uh highly alatang brings that you know factor to the table so i'm gonna go with background i think he's gonna push forward i think he might you know struggle a little bit early might get touched up a little bit early but i like this guy's spirit he fights with you know a, a, a spirit similar to zombie you know yeah he'll take a smack or two but he'll walk you down and he'll get his job done so i'll go with background by third round tko yeah, this is great matchmaking, uh, especially for the first fight of the night, because obviously most of you guys have never heard of them, but I'll tell you this right now, these two are going to stand and bang potentially till one man falls. And with Dana Batgarel, what I like about this kid is, you know, he's only 6-1, and one, but he's already beat UFC vets. He went out there against Kai Kara France, and it wasn't last year, it wasn't the year before Shaq, it was back in 2013, so this guy's very experienced, and he beat him pretty soundly those first two rounds, in my opinion. And Kai Kara France, you've seen the kind of tear he's on, you're going to see him later on on the card. I just think that that kind of experience is going to pay dividends here against Haile Alatang, who, yeah, he might have the more fights in terms of actual number of fights, but, man, he's also got the more knockout losses. He's also got the more suspect chin. He's also got a four-inch reach disadvantage. I just simply think they're going to stand and throw big bombs, and Dana Bat Batgarel is the more durable guy, the crisper guy. I think he's going to land a left hook and knock out Haile Alatang here. Next up in the Bantamweight division, we got Carol Hosa. She's 11-3, and, and Lara Procopio is 6-0. and 
Currently, they got Carol Hosa minus 105, and Laura Procopio is minus 115. So Shaq, it's a it's currently a pick with a slight lean on Laura Procopio. She's undefeated at 6-0. She fights out of Novo and Yao. I'm going to take this one first, man. So look, with Laura Procopio, obviously coming into the UFC with that undefeated record, fights out of Novo and Yao, been taking all these fights on Shudo Brazil, but the level of competition has been very low. Whereas you look at a girl like Carol Rosa, and it's funny because if anybody's going on their show and saying that Carol Rosa beat Jessica Andrade, just let them know what kind of fraud they are because, yeah, she beat Jessica Andrade, but it's not Bata Estaca, Jessica Andrade. It's the 2-2 the two two journey woman. Uh, Jessica Andrade so she didn't really beat the Jessica Andrade so let's just get that out the way right now but man she has a lot of experience against UFC vets granted she's lost to every UFC vet that she's fought both times inside the distance by submission to be more uh to be more direct and frank about it but the thing about this matchup is when I've noticed with Laura Procopio is she gets her submissions when people take her down it's not like she's going out there taking you down passing a side control doing this and that it's usually people take her down then she'll attack with an arm bar off her back so it's kind of a tough one to call, man. I think it's a pick for a reason, but I'm going to lean with the more experienced Carl Hosa to get this win here in our UFC debut. Uh, you make some good points. You know, I'm going to go with Precipio. I think she's going to get the more takedowns. I think it's going to be a, a good fight, but I think she's going to capitalize on and in, in pretty much every grappling situation and get the better of it. So I'll, I'll go with Precipio. Next up in the lightweight division, we got Demir Ismagulov. He's 18-1, and one, and Tiago Moises is 12-3. and three. Currently, they got Demir Ismagulov minus 180. The comeback on Tiago Moises is plus 158. Well, Shaq, this this line opened minus 405 for Demir Ismagulov. Now, so much action has come in on Tiago Moises that Demir Ismagulov is currently minus 180. What do you think about the line movement? Yeah, it's really interesting to see. You know, Tiago Moises is a guy that, you know, he is very young and he is very experienced. So he has been through a lot, you know, for the early stage in the early stages in his career. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion. But we have seen him out there get styled on by Robert Watley. And we saw Benil Dari, so we saw him flop to his back against Benil Dariush over and over again. And, you know, in the past, we've we've questioned Tiago Moises' heart a lot. Now, I feel like the kid's super athletic, powerful, hits very hard. Um, and he's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion as well. It's a, it's going to be a good fight. Ismagulov, on the other hand, is you know pretty much wiped out. He's put on two clinics, six rounds, six nothing against Joel Alvarez and uh, Alex Georges. Now I see the 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 big thing on this fight is people are saying Ismagulov has absolutely fought nobody. That he's been in a bunch of easy fights where he's been able to you know let his hands go and his ground game hasn't been tested. And that's definitely the case. But under fire, under pressure, Ismagulov just seems like he has a lot more weapons to fall back on. You know, like his straight hands, his boxing his head movement you know his kicks the guy doesn't lose composure granted yeah you know Joel Alvarez might not put him in those positions so I could see why some took the shot on Moises when the line was so inflated back uh, closer to the opener so you know I, I see that point of view you got the, the the advantage on the map but just historically speaking with Tiago Moises when things get tough for him and I know he got through a fight with Kurt Hollibaugh which is tough but Kurt Hollibaugh is you know if you haven't figured out how to get through a fight with Kurt Hollibaugh yet, I mean, Hyoni is abandoned and he was out here molly whopping the guy. Like Kurt's a nice guy, but he's not going to win a UFC fight. And Moises, although he won every round in that fight, I mean there were still moments in every round where he was turning away and just doing sketchy things. But granted, now I'm sure he's got more confidence coming into this fight. He probably believes in himself more. Going to be a, a little bit more comfortable. So I feel like it's going to be a good fight. But I got to go with Ismagulov. I feel like he's got a big advantage in the box. It almost to the point where I feel like Moises might not be able to stand in front of him, you know, unless he's on that calf kick, uh, the calf kick the entire time. And we'll see how his calf kick. He does have a very good calf kick. It has made a uh, swept legs several times. So I'll give Moises that. But I got to go with Ismagulov. I just think he's the better fighter, the more composed fighter, the guy that, you know, doesn't start looking for ways out when things don't go his way. So I'm going to go with Ismagulov. You know, people are trying to act like this is a striker versus grappler matchup, and I completely disagree. I think there's two well-rounded fighters meeting inside the octagon. It's just one's further along in his career than the other, and that's Demir Ismagulov. Look, I respect Tiago Moises a lot because what people need to understand about this kid Moises is that, like I said, he's just a kid. He's only 25 four years old so we've literally seen him grow right before our eyes that fight with Jason Knight I mean he couldn't even he couldn't even buy a beer you know what I'm saying back then he was just a kid so and same, same thing with the fight with Robert Wiley he might have been able to buy a beer then but you know he, he couldn't rent a car back then he still can't rent a car you understand me so 
He's just a kid, but the thing about Tiago Moise is what he's got going on for him, obviously the jiu-jitsu credentials, but more importantly than that, he's very physical. The guy's very, very strong, and when he finally puts it all together, I'm not saying he's going to be a contender, but I just know a lot of the people that I speak to at ATT are very high on this guy. They say that the way he performs in the gym is far superior to how he performs inside the cage, so what that leads me to believe is that either there's a mental thing going on or the, he's just a kid developing and when we finally see the finished product look out but that being said you know it's uh it's really because his dad's an mma fighter like in brazil and i want to know about his dad yo if y'all know about his dad because his dad's an mma fighter in brazil let me know about tiago moises senior you know what i'm saying what, what's his real name yeah. I don't know, but I just know his dad was a good MMA, like one of the pioneers, like yeah. not pioneers, but like, you know, Valley 2. He's a Valley 2 yeah. legend. Yeah. A shooter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Y'all let me know about Tiago Moise's dad, but look. Obviously, with the family tandems, there's a lot of pressure, but I'm, I'm not even going to put any stock to that. I, I just view it as Demir's Magulov is simply further ahead of Moises right now in his respective career. I think Demir feels more confident out there. The way he lets his hands go when it's time to let them go. You know, a lot of people complain about, you know, low volume, low activity, but he does exactly what he needs to do when he needs to do it. It's something we like to call the Russian coast. And I mean, if you start to put the pressure on Demir, he'll turn up. And not only that, people are acting like, oh, all Tiago has to do is get this guy to the ground. Good luck with that. Let me know how that goes. Let me know how easy it is to take down a guy like Demir Ismagulov. If you think just because he took down Kurt Holobo, you know, one of the, I'll be nice. If you think just because he took down Kurt Holobo that he's going to take down Demir is Magulov, you might be in for a rude awakening here. I just see Demir popping that head back, not not being in range for the calf kicks, and not getting bodied by the more physical guy. So I'm going to go with Demir here to make it 19-1. and one. Now next up in the light heavyweight division, we got Da Un Jung. He's 11-2, and two, and Kadis Ibrahimov is 8-0. Currently, they got Kadis Ibrahimov, minus 265. The comeback on Da Un Jung is plus 225. Shaq, oftentimes when you have someone from Russia taking on someone from Korea, you might see a very wide line because historically speaking, the Russians have been more dominant inside the UFC's octagon. But in this specific spot, it's interesting because the Russians taking this fight on three days, excuse me, on five days short notice. So we don't know what kind of shape he's in. And Da Un Jung, he's already had two scheduled opponents back out. We're talking about guys like Saperbeg Safarov. So he was already scheduled to fight. He already had a full camp. We might be seeing a more conditioned version of Jung compared to Ibrahimov. But that being said, you know, this kid Ibrahimov's definitely evolved. Since, uh, since some of his earlier fights, because if you go back and you watch some of those fights a couple years back, it was kind of a thing where, you know, he only he only had a couple moves. You know, he had his wizard, to, he had his little wizard throw, he gets to side control, and that was about the only thing he could do. And it was like, well, if you can't get that wizard, what's going to happen? Well, now, Shaq, I'm seeing single legs from the guy. I'm seeing body lock takedowns. I'm seeing him go out there, be more comfortable with his hands. And the guy is very confident. He goes out there, he's got a big smile on his face. He... He's definitely feeling himself in 2019. He's made a lot of improvements. The question here is, does he have what it takes to go out here and beat the more experienced and the guy who's actually had the full training camp in Daun Jung here? So that's going to be the big question here. But at the end of the day, I do think that wizard throw is going to be enough to put this guy down. And I do think he's going to be able to use his grappling, rely on it, win two of the rounds. But the thing is, we have seen Kadi's gas badly in the past and being that this is short notice who knows what kind of shape he's going to be in but if we see any uh you know any sign that this is the best version of Cadiz I think he probably wins a decision here against Jung I agree I feel like Cadiz although he's a little green a little raw in some areas I still feel like his hard wrestling pressure that he'll be the guy controlling the cage octagon controlling you know this uh, South Korean's not bad. It's just when you look at, you know, some of the guys on his regional scene, not saying that Cadiz is better, but we know that uh, in recent experience, some of these South Korean guys coming in, they've been fighting a bunch of, you know. <laughs> Let's just say that that scene isn't isn't as developed as we thought. Yeah, you know, exactly. we thought these guys like Korean Zombie and Dong Young Kim, who, you know, are the pioneers for Korean MMA. We we're like, man, these guys are really leading South the... Koreans can fight. You know what I'm saying? Leading the new wave. and But then you got these total frauds like Sung Min Jo, um, Sung Woo Choi, and then last night on Contender Series, that you guy. And it's like, man, they, they really ain't as developed as we thought. 
Yeah, so I'm going to go with the Russian here in this matchup. I think, like you said, he probably ties him up and gets a couple takedowns. But like you said, short notice, long term, you know, five days or less, it's generally not a good it's generally not a good thing to bet on, especially at a, at a line like that. But if he's got enough gas, he'll get this one. Next up in the Bantamweight division, we got Andre the Asian Sensation, Sukumtut. He's 13-7, and seven, and Sue Mujeri is 11-4. and four. Currently, they got Andre the Asian Sensation, Sukumtut, minus 170. The comeback on Sue Muderji is plus 150. Well, Shaq, this is interesting because you got the guy who we've historically criticized for having some of the lowest fight IQ in the history of the sport, Andre Sukumtut, taking on a guy who literally has zero ground game whatsoever. My boy Sue Majeri is on that Curtis Melender jiu-jitsu program. Who do you think gets the win here in uh, the Bantamweight division? Yeah, you know, I feel like this is a good fight for Sukumtut uh, to come back to. You know, yeah, we, we like to joke around about his fight IQ, and that's definitely the case. He definitely shot that takedown in O'Malley, but hey, when you look at the type of damage uh, you know, I feel like um, the more story of that sh fight should be, holy shit, Andre's durability is on point, you know, because a lot of guys wouldn't have made it out that first round with O'Malley, they'd be face first on the canvas, you know what I'm saying? He, he pretty much was face first on the canvas, he just wouldn't go down and he's stumbling, so I think it was a little bit, little bit mixed in with that as well, and, you know, ever since then, uh, he's shown that, you know, when he's been able to handle the non, you know, top 15 potential guys like Sh uh, Sean O'Malley, Montel Jackson, or uh, the current top 15 guy, uh, Turbo Perez, you know, when he took that step down against Jonathan Martinez, who a lot of people bet on going into that fight because, oh, Andre's an idiot, Andre's this and that. And what happened? You know, the, the kid got a, a very rude welcome, uh, what we like to call a vet lesson, you know. And I feel like that's going to be the same thing that happened here. You know, Sumajari had that uh, fight with Louis Smolka. On the uh, in his first fight on short notice, you know, a lot not too many people know notice that he lost his fight prior to being in the UFC as well by submission. And like you said, his ground game is definitely suspect. I'm sure they're gonna be uh, doing their best to, uh, you know to make sure that it gets better. He's been training with some Russians, but what about his stand-up? You know, I feel like his stand-up's very loose. I feel like he leaves a lot of openings as well. Of course, you know, he, his stand-up looks somewhat good when he's fighting Louis Smoker. Louis Smoker's a walking punching bag. You know what I'm saying? But Louis Smoker walked him down easily and got him on that mat and dominated him. But I think this is a fight for Andre Sukumthat to, you know, uh, show all his skills, his wrestling. He's a guy that took Montel Jackson down, but Montel reversed him. This guy, Suma Jerry's not going to do anything like that he also took down Jonathan Martinez in their fight as well I think uh, the power at some point is going to play a big factor here I think Sumajari leaves his hands down a lot his chin up in the air and you know uh, I feel like he's a first round finisher which means you know he's going to have to do something that no one has ever been able to do I'm talking the likes of the Kellehers of the world the Montel Jacksons the Sean O'Malley's the Alejandro Perez's the Jonathan Martinez's he's gonna have Luke to be the, the Luke Sanders he's gonna have to be the first guy Sumajari is gonna have to be the first guy to knock out Andre Sukumthat I don't think it happens I think Andre in fact gets the knockout I feel like he'll probably keep his volume down low early but eventually this kid doesn't have the composure to compete on this level quite frankly he shouldn't be here on this level he lost his fight before he was in the UFC so I think that Andre Sukumthat gets back on track and I actually think this is a favor for him for taking all these tough-ass fights against like all these guys that I'm previously mentioning. So I think he gets back on track with the finish. Yeah, you know, one big narrative that people always talk about is how bad Andre Sukumtut is historically when fights go to decision. You know, he doesn't have the best record when fights go to decision. Well, guess what? Sumajari's never won a fight that's gone past the second round. So this kid's never been a decision as it is, and all his losses are submission losses. And, you know, people are like, well, this is striker versus striker, so Andre's not going to submit him. Oh, really? Well, let me remind you, Andre Sukumtut scored eight takedowns in his last three fights. That's really all I need to know to know that he's going to go out here and beat this kid because once this hits the mat, it will be over shortly after, just like it was when Louis Smolka took him down. And I know Sumajari on the feet, you know, he allegedly has some striking. He's got a little swag to him. I mean, look, he can throw his hook kicks and his spins and his flying knees when he's got you know let, 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 let's uh let's read some of these guys that uh my boy sumajari has been feasting on so you guys understand why he's able to get okay his last win was a guy was against timberulan bamadeliev who's zero and one his fight before that was against makayev who's one and oh 
His fight before that was against Gavashvili, who's 2-1. and one. Do you understand what I'm saying? These are the guys he's going out there and styling on, whereas Sukumtut, yeah, he's had all these tough fights, but Sukumtut's out here knocking out Luke Sanders. Sukumtut's out here 30-27, Jonathan Martinez. So I, I just think that, and like I said, everyone says it's striker for striker. I mean, I guess, but like I said, Andre scored eight takedowns those last three fights. I expect to see the ninth and the tenth takedown here against Sumajari. I'm saying Andre Sukumtut via submission. Next up in the middleweight division, we got Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. He's 6-1, and one, and Jun Young Park is 10-3. and three. Currently, they got Anthony Hernandez, minus 160. The comeback on Jun Young Park is plus 140. Well, Shaq, Anthony Hernandez opened minus 230, and similar to one of the other matchups, all the action has been coming in on the Korean here. Do you think the action is justified, or are you leaning with the American? I could possibly see why more action on this particular fight, just because Fluffy Hernandez is, uh, you know, kind of one of these guys that got signed off contender series that wasn't quite ready. Now, I know he beat Brennan Allen, but Brennan Allen, you know, they're going to have to baby him, you know, as well, because if you put him in certain matchups, he'll get smoked. I mean, he's a... You know what I'm saying? That's why he's fighting Eric Spicely to start off. You know what I'm saying? Are we are we convinced he gets passed that one? Start off with that one. Are we convinced he passes that test? They put Puna Haley in there with Yandy just to see how things go first. You know, before we put him in there with somebody real. So I feel like Fluffy Hernandez was one of their their mistakes. You know, not saying a mistake to sign him. You know, he was an LFA champ, got a first round knockout, but to put him in there with Maluko. No, I know Maluko was one and two, but you got to understand that's a one and two with the previous win over Heinish, uh, fights against Sanchez, ultimate fighter winner, and Eric Anders, you know, who had him outsized by fucking, I don't know how many pounds. So, you know, they put him in there with Maluko, main event prelims in Brazil, and I mean, he wasn't ready for that. He was bright-eyed looking around in there, and Maluko, man, he, he put, him, put it on him, put him to sleep, and, you know, Hernandez is one of these guys that he likes to come forward and throw big haymaking, you know, big haymakers, big power in his hands, and, you know, his jiu-jitsu, it, it's definitely it's definitely lacking you know his wrestling and jiu-jitsu is definitely lacking you know he can capitalize against Allen who you know who's going for all these you know low percentage subs and he's able to ride out top control time in those type of fights he lost to Justin Jones as an amateur my, bu- my boy move. Justin Lazy Mouth yeah, Lazy Mouth but uh yeah, what's he up to so he quit yeah went on a streak and he never fought again yeah but uh <laughs> But uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so Fluffy Hernandez, yeah, like in the like the Maluka, you saw how easily Maluko had his way with him once they did, and there's no shame in that. But going forward, now he's gonna have to know that. Look, your ground game's gonna need to be on par to be fighting with these guys 13, 15 plus fights when you only have seven. You know what I'm saying? He's very young, he's very developing, and he's still got a long, long ways to go. One thing I like about the kid is his power. I mean, I feel like he can put a lot of these lower level guys to sleep, and I mean to sleep. And you saw his contender series fight that. I feel bad for that little Beverly Hills kid. What was his name? <laughs> oh, man, I remember that <laughs> shit. Man, that kid was out unconscious. That kid should have never been on Contender Series. <laughs> they put Jordan a, Wright? They put a Beverly Hills kid in there. Yeah, Jordan Wright. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but, uh, hey, my boy, my boy Jordan Wright. Oh, never mind. They they, they took they, oh, yeah, they made yeah. a no contest. I thought yeah. he was on some win streak. Nope, yeah. he ain't fought since. Well, Fluffy did pop uh, for weed. Oh, man. my God. Yeah. He was smoking the devil's lettuce. <laughs> but, yeah, so in this fight with Park, uh, what's his last name, Park? Right? Park. 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 Yeah, so Park, you know, Park just seems like he's uh, a straightforward kind of boxing style, you know. It seems like he like he can throw a high amount of punches, you know. But, you know, the, a lot of those fights, you know, Glenn Sparr against Glenn Sparr, 18 and 5. Glenn Sparr, I mean, that guy was a walking, punching bag. But, hey, he did his job. He tagged him over. But, you know, similar to... Uh, to Fluffy, he got taken down in some of those fights. He got controlled a little bit. So they kind of similar got similar weaknesses. Now I feel like this fight's going to come down to power versus volume, you know. I feel like uh, Park... Park. Park. I feel like Park throws more volume, and he's probably got cleaner technique in terms of the boxing, you know, but Fluffy has the ability to change all of that with one shot, as in Park could be winning two, three minutes of this fight, of every round, you know, getting the better, landing the cleaner combos, but one of Fluffy Hernandez's lands on his chin, he might either go unconscious or lose the round, so, you know, I feel like that's probably how the fight's going to play out. I think that, you know, some of the action on Park is warranted, you know, I, I, I do agree with some people, Ben, you know, 
the gap isn't as far as uh, a lot of people, you know, going into this card. You know, people thought Fluffy had a, you know, an easy, uh, easy layup here, but Fluffy's still green, man. He's still developing. I feel like the kid's got a long way to go, but I like his power in this matchup. This guy's gonna stand with him. You know, this guy's not gonna take him down. So I feel like he's got a. A puncher's chance all the way throughout the 15, and I think he will land that shot eventually and get a knockout. So I'm going to go with Fluffy Hernandez. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk about a submission threat, only three of uh, Park's 13 fights have ended via submission with him winning. So I don't think he's the biggest submission threat here for Anthony Hernandez. And with Anthony, even though, you know, in terms of the number of fights he's had is less than Park, he's got more experience than Park in terms of big stage. I mean, Anthony... Fought in a five-round fight in LFA before N1. Anthony fought on Contender Series in an octagon. Anthony fought in the UFC before. These are all three experiences that Jong Young Park has never had before in his life. And I know he fights on, you know, these shows like... Uh, Way of the Dragon. You know, is it Road FC? You know, you know all, all that kind of stuff. And it's cool and all, but it's very different being here in the UFC. It's just about, like you said, is Anthony too green where he can't perform here? You know, that flight all the way to China. This guy's never left the States before. Like this guy we're about to talk about, Derek Krantz. I mean, is he going to come out here and pull a real stunt? Is he going to lay an egg because of this jet lag? Or is Anthony Hernandez going to come out here and take care of biz? Because I do think he's the harder hitter. I do think he has the more potential. I do think he's the tougher guy. So it's just about living up to that right now is he ready as we speak on saturday that's what it comes down to because i know the final version the finished product of hernandez beats park so it's about does this version the six and one guy seven and one between you and me because he smoked the beverly hills ninja so i'm going anthony hernandez via knockout here next up in the welterweight division we got keenan song he's 14 and 5 and Derek krantz is 24 and 11 currently they got keenan song minus 115 the comeback on Derek krantz is minus 105 well, Shaq, uh, D-Rock Kranz got in via Dana White looking for a fight. And then uh, they were like, hey, man, we're not going to give you an easy fight. You get to come out here and fight Vicente Luque in your UFC debut. Now, he went out there, landed a big punch, even took his back, and then uh, was stopped shortly after. The question is, here was such a step down of competition. Do you think it's the job done against Song Kanan? It's an interesting fight because... Kind of similar to Sumajari, like I mentioned earlier, Keenan Song didn't just lose one fight before his <laughs> UFC debut. He lost two fights before his UFC debut, and they needed someone on short notice, and boom, he got They the were trying to get my boy Bobby Nash <laughs> back on track, but... Uh... So, let's not forget that, technically speaking, Keenan Song really should have never been in the UFC, you know? He got stopped by Brad Riddell. Shout out to Brad Riddell. He's a good kickboxer. And he beat Bobby Nash. Bobby in the UFC, I mean, after the damage that Hot Chocolate and Lee Jing Leung did to his chin, uh, you know, but, uh, he was able to come and do cleanup. And Hector Aldana, a tough Mexican with a lot of heart. But, and uh, his fight with Alex Morono, I mean, look, he hung in there for three rounds, but we knew who won that fight. Alex won every round. And Alex stood in the pocket with him, and Keenan has had a habit of shying away, you know, kind of similar to the Ben Joes and the, the, the Sing Wu Choi's, you know. He kind of blinks his eyes and backs up, and if he can't land that straight counter right hand and knock you out, generally struggles. You saw in the Aldana fight, Aldana was catching his kicks a lot and shoving him to that mat easily with no fight, no resistance. So I personally do think that, you know, although Derek Krantz has been stopped a bunch of times, I feel like uh, Derek Krantz is tougher than Keenan Song, straight up, you know. I feel like Krantz definitely can be knocked out with that right hand, for sure. Been finished by pretty much all the all the guys that he's supposed to get finished by. This is going to be a good fight. I actually feel like, you know, if Krantz was ever going to win a UFC fight, this guy got to be here right now. This is the guy to do it against. This guy lacks what's, uh, you know, lacking that heart in comparison to Krantz, in my opinion. But Krantz is one of these journeymen, you know. Krantz is one of these guys It's kind of tough to, to rely on him, you know. This is... Journeyman, they generally, unless they can get that, unless I said this is his one chance to get a win. I mean, he ain't going to get no other one. <laughs> it has to be Keenan Song or not. So, Krantz is tougher, but I feel like Keenan Song, Keenan Song probably has sharper, quicker hands if he decides to let them go. Krantz is definitely not scared to get knocked out. He'll definitely come forward. He'll be the, the guy willing to uh, come forward. It's, this is a pick him for a reason. You know, Keenan Song, I'm telling you, long term, this guy is not it. This guy will not make it. In, this guy will not be in the UFC in, in two years. You know what I'm saying? Neither will Derek Krantz, but, you know, uh, 
this is just from the perspective of the perspective of wait, Derek Cranch is a bum. Shouldn't I fade? You know, shouldn't I fade him? But uh, you know, I'll pick Keenan Slung. I think eventually he'll probably land that right hand and put Derek down. And you know, it's going to be unfortunate because Derek's probably going to be doing good. And you're going to be like, yeah, Derek, you're breaking him. You're breaking him. And then he'd be like, no, no, Derek, please, <laughs> you know, wait, don't, don't be, a, don't be a journeyman. <laughs> so uh, you know, I'll go with Song, but be very fucking careful with that guy. I'm telling you, if he, if his heart gets tested, he will break. Yeah, very interesting fight, and honestly, man, I think his heart will get tested, and I think he will break. It's just another another one of these things where we were talking about with Anthony Hernandez. Now, granted, Derek Krantz has like, what, four to five times the experience of Anthony Hernandez, but again, this is his first time fighting out of the States. And man, that jet lag. Yeah, Texas no more. You know, you know, and when you talk about jet lag, and you know, you might go from where we are at in Georgia to California, you know, there's what a four hour, three hour, whatever it is, time difference. Okay, and you know, you complain about a little jet lag and this and that. Be cute. Okay, here we're talking about a motherfucking twenty hour flight, and goddamn, the time zone is like a day and a half ahead or some shit. So it's like. Is Derek gonna adjust and climatize like he's supposed to? Because I know he didn't go out extra early for this. He can't afford that. So that's <laughs> yeah, just uh, one of those things. But I do think the experience of Krantz will carry him through this one. And uh, hopefully we see him get back to his vicious knockout ways like he was doing over in LFA. And even back in the day when we saw him on the documentary Fightville, shout out to my boy Dustin the Diamond Poria. I'm going Derek Krantz via knockout. Next up in the flyweight division, we got Yanan Wu. She's 10 and 2. And Mizuki Inoue is 13 and 5. Currently, they got Mizuki Inoue minus 140. The comeback on Yanan Wu is plus 120. Well, Shaq, we saw Mizuki Inoue's brother in the UFC. Uh, that didn't really go according to plan. Now, uh, now, now his big sister is going to make her appearance. You think she she's going to carry that family name here in the octagon? Word on the street is big sis whoops little bros out <laughs> the same way. <laughs> uh, it is the word on the street, by the way. <laughs> I'm, just, uh, I'm just playing. Uh, so now this is, a, I guess, somewhat of an intriguing fight just because some people got a lot of clear opinions on it. Now, Yan and Wu lost to Gina Mazzani in, on, in the past, you know, I've shat on gina well, she's a beautiful girl but she is from alaska and you know, <laughs> gina got finished by sarah mcmahon and and uh lost to lena landsberg and lost to macy shows on yeah she got steamrolled in that fight as well so you know uh yen and Wolf, she did have an injury in that fight it looks like some type of shoulder injury you know and she came back in her second fight against lauren mueller as a huge underdog man i'm talking she was like plus 400 something yeah. uh, against lauren mueller they had lauren mueller way over hyped and and you know i saw marlon sandro in her in her corner you know seems like marlon fled to china <laughs> <laughs> after the shit that happened in brazil you but... know my boy bj pen should do the same thing <laughs> Looks like Marlon fled to China, and now he's Yan and Wu's coach. So, you know, it seems like uh, it's already paying off. She got her blue belt under him not too long ago. So, you know, she's making gains, and she was able to get off that armbar. Now, before that armbar, it was really couldn't tell much. I wasn't sure if she got dropped or if it was a slip uh, against Mueller. But, you know, she was a nice armbar. Now, in a while, on the other hand, she was one of these girls that get beaten to go to the UFC, it seemed like, for a little while. She lost to uh, Janderoba. By split decision, she lost to Grasso. She lost to Carolina. You know, she seemed like uh, the girl that these girls beat to go to the company. But it seems like, you know, I looked at her Instagram a little bit. It seems like her and her brother moved to America. Uh, you know, they've been training at Ray Longo's gym. I saw Ray Longo in her, uh, or her post a picture of Ray Longo in her corner her last fight. So, you know, it seems like they're taking the initiative. But the thing is, her little bro lost his fight afterwards again. Uh, to Sean Santella, the guy with the pink mohawk uh, that was supposed to fight Wilson in Atlanta. But it's paying off for, for Mizuki. And, you know, I feel like Mizuki probably has the, I want to say more volume, but just seems like maybe sharper, crisper punches in terms of the boxing. And it seems like she probably takes a shot a little better as well. But I feel like these girls are evenly matched in every area, you know, for the most part. I feel like Mizuki, you know, even when she's on top, she really doesn't do too much. Jandaroba was able to have a good first three rounds against her. So I guess she's got good cardio. She came back in those last two rounds and was able to make it go to a split decision. But I feel like this is going to be that typical close, you know, female fight in the flyweight division. I'm going to go with uh, Mizuki in a way by split decision. You know, I feel like she's going to probably just throw more punches 
pitches and and take a better shot as well. Yeah, you know, back in the Invicta days, uh, you know, Mizuki in a way was considered Invicta's premier Japanese soccer mom. With knee pads and ankle sleeves. I know you remember Rin Nakai with that padded 15-0 record coming into the UFC. She's the one you beat to get to the UFC. She wasn't even supposed to be in the UFC. It was supposed to be Yan and Wu versus Luana Carolina. They tried to book that fight twice. Luana pulled out. And then they were like, you know what? Let's call up the girl that we get everyone a win over in Invicta to get Yan and Wu a win. And I know Yan and Wu lost to Gina Mazzani and we can say all these things and yeah, it's true, but, you know, it's been close to two years since then. I, I assume that she's been improving, especially considering the fact that they do have that PI over there in China, and they're specifically bringing all their Chinese fighters there to develop. So I can only imagine that she's gotten way better. And not only that, while Mizuki Inoue might be, you know, the more crisp and technical fighter, and technique does prevail to an extent, she's so much smaller than Yan and Wu here, man. She's very outsized and I think she's gonna get muscled around I think she's gonna lose a, a decision so I'm going Yan and Wu here for the victory now next up in the featherweight division we got Movsar Evloev he's 11 and 0 and Zhang Hong Lu is 18 and 6 currently they got Movsar Evloev minus 700 the comeback on Zhang Hong Lu is plus 500 well Shaq this is a rematch. Movsar Evloev already beat this guy when he was 1-0. My question is, can he come back and beat this guy now that he's 11-0? He beat him when he was 1-0, and I think the Asian might have had six or seven fights at the time. And the Zengang Lu, I'm sure he'll have a bright future. He is taking this fight on short notice, but look, I've been on the record to call Movsar a little Khabib. You know, this guy's wrestling and his grappling is, you know, it's going to be hard to stop if you're one of these low-level guys. And they've already fought before when Movsar was 1-0 with very little to experience. And he already had seven, eight times the amount of experience and Movsar was able to lay on him. And, you know, his takedown defense has gotten better, but it's not... It's not better to the point where he's still getting taken down by these guys, you know, that aren't named Masvar Evolev. What do you think is going to happen when Maz, the real Masvar Evolev gets in on his legs? No offense to Zhang Long Wu, but I feel like this line should be a little higher. You know, I feel like they don't realize how good Masvar's wrestling hug tie-up game is. And I feel like he's going to put on a, a wrestling clinic for the, the Chinese fans and, you know, get a couple suplexes here and there, some uh, an ankle pick or two. <laughs> no, just kidding. But, uh, you know, just a, a double in single leg uh, clinic, man. Mozart ever left 30-26. Look, what's happened since the last time these two have fought? Mofsar has gone on a 10-fight win streak, and uh, my boy Zhang Hong Lu is out here getting stopped in the first round by Shane Young. Need I say more? That lets you know the caliber he's on right there. So, look, Evlev's going to go out here, put on this clinic. The question is, does he get the finish or not? I mean, he kind of does play it safe, and Lou is a tough guy. So I'm going to say another decision, but uh, it's not going to be a close one. I'll just let you know that. I'm going to say 30-26 here for Movsar Evlev. And next up in the flyweight division, we got Kai Kara France. He's 19-7, and and Mark De La Rosa is 11-2. and Currently, they got Kai Kara France, minus 190. The comeback on Mark De La Rosa is plus 165. Well, Shaq, this is a really good flyweight match. And I heard some people saying this is Mark De La Rosa's flyweight debut. And that's complete bullshit because I don't know if you saw that fight against Elias Pettis, but uh, that was that flyweight. So now uh, now they meet at 125. And Kai Kara France coming off the win over Haulian Paiva. Very impressive fight. Do you think Kai Kara France makes it three wins in a row here? This is going to be a good fight. You know, De La Rosa, I feel like he's a tough kid. But I feel like he's in somewhat of a tough spot. He's one of these guys that can't really find his home. Now he's coming back down to flyweight. He did win a fight at 35s. Uh, he lost the fight at 35s as well. This fight with Tim Elliott, you know, the excuse was short notice, big weight cut, not 35s, off the couch. Then we saw him versus Elias Pettis, who, let's be honest here, can't box and he can't wrestle and <laughs> and when I see Anthony Showtime Pettis in his corner <laughs> giving him advice, no, I'm just joking about that. But uh, the guy just had a lot of inefficient techniques, you know, with his uh, trying to jump guard while they're standing. I mean, it was cute and all, and you know, De La Rosa was able to spin him around and you know drop the kid, but it was a good finish. But it's just very low level, you know. I, basically, what I'm saying is I don't put that much stock into it. And then you know, his fight with Joby Sanchez. Joby Sanchez, another one of these habitual ball droppers that that, that just cons consistently find ways to not get the job done under the big lights, you know what I'm saying, in his biggest moments. And De La Rosa, I felt like he won every round in that fight, but every round was kind of, you know, kind of coming down to the wire, as in seemed like Joby Sanchez was getting the better of the boxing on the outside a little bit, but, you know, Joby would wield at the end of the rounds and De La Rosa would throw three, four punches and kind of bully him, you know, that's the, his, his, MO, his MO a little bit, you know, if he's a little around your size, he can bully, but now his two losses, 
is it's really been a common factor is he can't get up from bottom. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, but when he gets on that on the mat, he's he's looking to play jiu-jitsu, you know what I'm saying? He's not looking to necessarily he doesn't really have the wrestling per se to, you know, fight hard in the clinch and, and, and you know go back and forth. Now Kai Car France is a striker, but moving forward here, I mean look, this the facts are when Tim Elliott got on top of him, he didn't get back up one time. And every time Alex Perez took him down and their fight, the round was over, you know what I'm saying, every single time, so De La Rosa, there's a chance where he's not going to be able to hold his spot here, and he's on the low uh, low end of the totem pole when it comes to flyweights, you know, I, I kind of view, view a lot of these guys a lot better than them, or just a lot more dangerous than them, and now Kai Car France, a lot of experience, this is actually going to be familiar, this, this environment's going to be familiar with him, you know, he's from Australia, or from uh, New Zealand, you know, they fight in China a lot, you know, that's, China's their local scene, you know what I'm saying, He's taken the flight to China several times to fight before. He fought Dana Batgirl in China, you know what I'm saying? He's been on that Asian scene a long time, and I think this is a good fight for him as well. You know, I, I like De La Rosa, but just the fact that France is one of these guys that, you know, throughout his career, he's been struggling, you know, kind of in a sense with Moises, like with his confidence, with his heart a little bit. Pantoja broke him on tough. He's lost several. Between you and me, Hollyan broke him too. Uh, Hollyan broke him, but the fact that he, he didn't quit in that fight, I'm sure he uh, got his, he got more confidence. I'm sure he believes in himself a lot more now, and I feel like he's gonna come out here and just throw one shot at a time, like he like he generally does on De La Rosa. And I mean, for flyweights, I'll tell you what, Kakai Car French is up there in terms of power. You know what I'm saying? The guy's definitely all his punches got sting on him. He does throw only one shot at a time, but I feel like that's gonna be enough against a guy to keep a guy like De La Rosa off him. You know, De La Rosa is two wins. One's against a fraud. The other one, Joby didn't want it, man. So, oh, so two frauds. <laughs> you know. What I'm saying so let me let me know the last time Joby Sanchez won a UFC fight. <laughs> Joby Sanchez got knocked out by Gian Herrera. Just put it just put that in the terms. But you know, I feel like uh Kai Car France just has is just more dangerous. You know, I feel like De La Rosa really doesn't have anything to really worry him. Not not a one a puncher's chance. Not his wrestling really isn't that good in my opinion. You know, he's got his, his jiu-jitsu black belt, but he's struggling on the mat as well. I feel like he's in a tough spot, so I'm gonna go with France. By 30-27 decision, just a, a wipeout of all rounds, just landing the harder shots. He's going to be a lot more confident in the fact that he got through that Halion fight. Because I'll tell you what, the second round, he was pulling a stunt. Not a stunt, I mean, Halion throws hard. He got a, a long... A, you know, France is only 5'2", five, 5'3". Five, he got a 5'8". Flyweight in there with you. I'm sure he was... Uh, you know, I didn't think he was going to get past that. So props to France, and I think he gets uh, his third one. If Kaikara France was fighting Hogerio Bontarin then maybe we could talk about a Kaikara fraud and go on that little tangent. But here against Mark De La Rosa, we don't even need to go there, man, because you know I got a lot of respect for De La Rosa, scrappy kid, jiu-jitsu black belt. He's kept his spot in the company. But I just think that Kaikara France is the much more dynamic fighter and the faster guy. Just He's just better than Mark De La Rosa, simply put. So unless he pulls a massive stunt here, which he's done in the past. I mean, the guy's lost a million times. It's not like he's some undefeated fighter, right? So as long as he doesn't pull some epic stunt, I think he goes out here and probably wins comfortably too, Shaq. Most likely a decision. Now here's where shit's about to get real. Co-main event of the evening in the welterweight division. We got Elizu Zaleski, Capoeira, Dos Santos. He's 21-5. and and Lee the Leech Jing Liang is 16 and 5. Currently, they got Elizu Capoeira Zaleski Dos Santos minus 280. The comeback on Lee Jing Liang is plus 240. Well, you know, Elizu's been a money train for us for a very long time. But now my question is, are you willing to take these plus 240 odds on the leech in China? Not at all, man. This is going to be a good fight. Like you guys know, you've been high on, uh, you know, ZDS, my boy, for a long time. And I feel like the, the train's going to continue here as well. You know, look, Lee Jing Long is very tough Asian. He's one of the on the high end of the Asian totem pole. But what has he struggled throughout his career, you know, historically? That's getting dropped. He got dropped by Keita Nakamura. He got dropped by Bobby Nash. He got dropped by Jake Matthews. He got uh, hurt by uh, Zawada. You know what I'm saying? Did he get hurt by Zawada? He got taken down by Anton Zafir. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But he's all, he's all, he's in a firefight a lot of times, and he's in these wars where his chins gets exposed, and he's been, you know, he's been hurt in the past, and he's been able to come back and pull off these comeback wins. Now, do that against Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos, he might be unconscious. And the thing is, when, when Lee gets hurt, he has the tendency to start swinging back. You know, he likes to, uh, <laughs> he likes to 
counteract his uh his defense mode is to swing back and when you do that against Elijah Zaleski dos Santos only way that ends is by vicious brutal KO you know I actually feel like I'm not gonna say this I actually do feel like the line should be a little bit wider when you can you know one of the the key things that gotta have to beat Elijah Zaleski is a good chin and uh I feel like Li Jingliang the way he has fought so early on in his UFC career is pretty much has pretty much created this problem that he's not going to be able to get away from. You saw the Jake Matthews fight where he's a big favorite. You know, Jake Matthews was a guy who was struggling against fights and Andrew Holbrook, he lost to Holbrook, you know. His heart was in question. Lee was supposed to walk him down and break him, but why couldn't he do it? Because he couldn't take a punch. And I feel like that's going to be the same thing here. I got Elijah Zaleski Dos Santos by first round KO. I feel like he's going to get into an exchange of punches with Lee. He's probably going to shorten up on a left hook, wobble him, and Lee's going to swing and... You know, that's going to be that. I think Eliza continues to train, shows these people why they should stop giving them these unranked opponents and why he deserves that shot at guys like Robbie Lawler or, you know, he needs to be in the mix in the Magni. You know, the Magnies, things like that. So I feel like this is his last fight against a guy ranked around this area. They got uh, Lee ranked at number 42. I get, you know, the stakes here. It's in China. You know, that might make things, but Zaleski, his mindset's too calm and cool collected for that. And I think he puts Lee down. So this is really interesting because I see a lot of people talking about how there's so much value on the leech and how, you know, this line is an atrocity and all these things. And let me just make my opinion on this known. First of all, if Lee the leech had a chin, then, you know, maybe we'd be looking at a pick him with a slight lean on Zaleski. You know what I'm saying? Because until he goes down... The fight's going to be pretty fucking close. I mean, these two are going to be throwing. There's going to be like, oh, shit. Like, we're going to be on the on the edge of our seats. We're going to be like, Eliza, You know, but uh, the, the difference here is that Li Jingliang gets dropped almost every single fight, guys. And it's one of those things where, you know, we were kind of excusing him. You know, early on in his in his UFC career against some of these guys, which we shouldn't have done at all. Like, like even you know, we were saying, oh, Frank Camacho hits really hard. Fucking Bobby Nash hits hard. All these things, and we shouldn't have made any excuses. But then when you put him in there against a guy like Jake Matthews, who I don't know if you guys recall what he was coming off of before the Jing Liang fight. You know, got stopped in the first round by Kevin Lee. Got. <laughs> got beat by Andrew Holbrook in Australia. Then he had that, you know, he shat the bed against Bojan. A lot of people thought he might have lost that too. So we were all like, oh yeah, Lee the Leech is about to mop the floor with Jake Matthews. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a formality when they step in there. And then it's Jake Matthews dropping Li Jingliang almost every round. And then the one round he didn't drop him in, he almost choked him out. I was like, Lee. Like, what's going on here, man? So, look, I just think his durability is waning. It's not where it used to be. And uh, guess what? This ain't Jake Matthews anymore. You know, when, when little Jake Matthews, who's not even confident to stand and bang with you, is dropping you, what's going to happen when, you know, between you and me, we can go ahead and call this guy the god of war. I know um, I know, my flyweight, uh, Davison, might have an issue with that. But listen, man, the welterweight god of war right now, his name is Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos. Listen, seven-fight win streak right now. Between you and me, it's an eight-fight win streak. I don't know how they robbed him in Brazil against my boy Dalby. But look, Dalby, he also uh, didn't lose to Till either. So bottom line here is I got Eliza Zaleski knocking out Lee the Leech in China. And right as I said that, Eliza's line got 10 cents worse. Main event of the evening for the strawweight belt. We got the champion, Jessica Bata Estaka Andraj. She's 20-6. and six, And Wiley Zhang is 19-1. and one. Currently, they got Jessica Bata Estaka Andraj minus 165. The comeback on Wiley Zhang is plus 145. Well, Shaq, all the listeners of Half the Battle know that Wiley Zhang has come through for us big. I mean, we've been betting her on a lot of those fights. You know, the five unit parlay with Yan Zonan against Jessica Aguilar came through there. But now, here, uh, it ain't Jessica Aguilar no more, and it ain't Tisha Torres no more either. Now it's Jessica Andraj. Do you think Wiley Zhang becomes the first Chinese champion in UFC history? My breakdown is probably going to be a little simple. Jessica Andrade has pretty much proven herself currently to be the clear-cut number one strawweight ever since she knocked out Rosalind. I mean, it's not obviously, yeah, she's the champion now, but let's consider you got to generally have that test before you get to the title fight. Now, she had that test in Carolina Kovacavich, you know, one of the pioneers of the strawweight division. Carolina was on, out unconscious, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Carolina hit she the changed, deck. She changed Carolina's life. That's why Carolina can't pull the trigger anymore, you know what I'm saying? And uh, 
And then before that, what about her wins over Claudia Gadelia, a former title challenger? Even though she lost to Joanna, she was in there with Joanna for five rounds. Her other wins, Tisha Torres, she she already had that fight. Uh, I mean, her fights with Liz Carmouche, Raquel Pennington, all these experiences that she's had at 135. I was glad to see that they finally came to fruition and she was able to get that uh, championship belt. We say, we say a lot of times in the female division, you know, technique might not necessarily matter, but when it's right, when it's time to turn up and you only got that asset of power in those female divisions where the girls might not be able to be able to take their shots and keep going on the fly and uh that's been the case with Andrade these girls can't handle it now it's interesting to see them confident that Wiley Zhang I was thinking this line was going to be more so you know by the fight time minus 250 you know what I'm saying that's what I was thinking it was going to end up closing because when you really look at Wiley Zhang we were talking about Daniel Taylor we're talking about Jessica Aguilar and we're talking about Tisha Torres. Now, um, it seems two of those fights, my girl Marina's got two of those fights on her record, you know what I'm saying? And she just hit the top ten. You want to give Marina a title shot? <laughs> I feel like this fight is coming too prematurely. Now, I understand why they have to give it to her. They want the Chinese market. They want to have a Chinese fighter in the main event in China. And, hey, why not come with a title fight? You know what I'm saying? They just built a performance institute down there. They got to come with a Chinese fighter. So I see why she kind of had to get rushed in this position. But, guys, she is not ready for this fight. And, and it's not even about you know on paper you know like i just said how marina's got two of those wins and marina's just hit the top 10 you know what i'm saying you know i i understand wiley's a little bit of a bigger athlete had a lot more hype around her for a lot more time so they're rushing her up but when you look at those fights against daniel taylor we're talking she got hit with right hands in that fight where she got stunned now obviously daniel taylor isn't in the ufc anymore she's not gonna have she doesn't have the heart and the and the, the mindset to keep going and attacking with those you know or she, the physical she attributes. only throws one she only she only threw one of them and started and just stood there and you know lost the remainder of the round but what do you think happens when jessica and hits her with one of those right hands you think that we're just gonna stop no we're about to come with three four five more and some to the body some to the head maybe a power drive you know what I'm saying maybe a single leg slam. Wiley Zhang, you see her in some of these fights with Tisha Torres where they're kind of 50-50 early in these wizard positions. And we're talking Tisha Torres now. I know to the masses, Tisha Torres, that's a name we all recognize, we all know. And Andrade beat Tisha as well, but we just saw Tisha get absolutely molly whopped. In a way. Like, she got Andrade's and Joanna uh, said, you know, it was Andrade first. You know, that broke Tisha. Then it was uh, Ioana that Tisha stuck it up in there with. And then Wiley Zhang was able to get a, a, a fairly comfortable win. Look, Tisha's head's not in it no more, you know. She she wants to be a wife with Rocky. So, you know, although I think it's a good win, I can't put that much stock into it. This is actually, I'm not going to say that she doesn't belong in the cage with because, you know, she's got the 19-1 and record with Andrade. But I think it, there's a chance that it might play out that way. You know what I'm saying? We're talking Andrade. She's, she's comfortable now. She And now to mention she's the younger girl here she's still young she's still 26 27 like she's still got a long ways to go and she's already this experienced she's getting better and better and you know we can sit here and say oh what about rose was tagging her up yeah oh she got tagged up by the best boxer in the vision and let's not exaggerate you know what i'm saying look this is a game of strategy rose decided to not i mean she didn't decide she thought she was gonna knock her out what happens you know we're gonna sit and act like a fluke like she knocked her out in the second round that's what happens when you got constant pressure i mean look on one got rocked by rose the other got rocked by daniel taylor so give me a fucking break <laughs> she got rocked in every fight except Aguilar. but uh between you and me, I <laughs> but uh, you know, I feel like this is a good fight for Andrade. I feel like this is going to be the first fight where Wiley just has an off night where she's just feeling off. I know she's a good athlete, but when you got that experience, you know, Wiley didn't necessarily get that uh, that fight against a Gadelia or a, or a Joanna. She got rushed after a fight against Tisha, where one judge scored one round for Tisha. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she beat a Tisha that was already out the game. Like, Tisha's already done. You know what I'm saying? That's why we bet on Marina Rodriguez to go ahead and feast on the carcass you know what i'm saying at plus 140 so you know i, I like wiley but i think she's in over her head in this fight i got Andrade by finish at some point you know i feel like once she gets hit it's gonna be a difference than what she's used to you know what i'm saying this ain't tisha torres daniel taylor and jessica aguilar no more yeah she can definitely be hit but is she gonna be knocked out i, I doubt it you know what i'm saying and i know she's gonna keep coming forward and i highly doubt that you know these girls can was staying that Andrade punishment. That's why she's got the belt, and that's why I feel like she's going to defend it on uh, Saturday in Shenzhen. I mean, I love how they talk about how Rose Namajunas rocked her, but then they don't, they conveniently ignore that, well, 
she overcame that and then knocked her the fuck out. <laughs> like, you know, it's a fist fight and people get hit, right? Like, like, oh man, she got rocked by the best straw weight of all time. Like, oh my God. Like, oh wow. That's terrible. Whereas this girl is getting rocked by the worst straw weight of all time, Daniel Taylor. So I'm just like, come on guys. Like, you're really going to give her shit for that? Look, the bottom line is, like Shaq already said, Wiley Zhang got rushed into this spot. They needed a Chinese fighter in the main event, Shenzhen. She's 19-1. It looks good on paper. She's on a win streak. Let's throw her in there. But she ain't ready for this. We've already seen how she reacts to hard shots once again against Daniel Taylor, against Tisha Torres. Guys, come on. Another thing is, in these fights that she's been in, you know, when she gets hit with these right hands, you know, the girls are nice. They smile back at each other. You know, Tisha is harmless. You know, Daniel Taylor's harmless. You know what I'm saying? Let's see what Bonnie Estaca does. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys recall that time Jessica Andrade left Claudia Gadelia in a pool of her own (laughs) blood. I don't know if you guys recall when she bounced Carolina's head off the canvas and we were all like, oh, fuck, like... You know what I'm saying? We thought we thought the worst. You know, my girl Joanne Calderwood was tapping the mat. Angela Hill had a significant strike record set on her she face. Angela like Angela Hill ain't never been the same. She can't win. She can't. She can't put two wins together ever since that point. So it's just one of those things where now you're telling me why Lee Zhang's about to eat all of Jessica's shots. Come back with her own damage. I, I just don't see it, man. I really do think that Andrade is going to overwhelm her and uh, probably knock her the fuck out. And, oh, on the mat, let's talk about that. She's going to pick her up, slam her. I saw Tisha Torres reverse this girl. I saw Tisha Torres get on top of this girl. We're 50-50 in the wizard. And she couldn't get back up. <laughs> so what do you think is going to happen when Jessica Andrade gets on top? Look. Jessica Andrade is going to finish this girl and uh, defend the title for the first time. So I'm excited to see it. I got Jessica Andrade and still the strawweight champion. Now, before we talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch, uh, I just want to let you know, Shaq, that history was made because, as you know, the great GSP, the great Matt Hughes, Nick Diaz, Rory McDonald, all these fighters weren't able to one-punch knockout BJ Penn. Are you talking about that bum that knocked But out? most recently, the bathroom attendant <laughs> at the strip club. You mean the snow cone guy? He knocked out BJ Penn. You th- what are you thinking, a contender series look, call? Peanut. <laughs> bare- <laughs> look, him and Melvin, bare knuckle. I mean, look, BJ and Melvin sounds like a good fight. Guillard. <laughs> Melvin not man Yeah, Melvin Guillard. Not yet, not man <laughs> Melvin Guillard versus BJ. Look. BJ's done, and he's in big, big fucking trouble coming up. What's this line going to be against Nick Lentz? <laughs> I mean, just put it, like, Nick Lentz is at home training for his fight, eating right, I'm assuming, you know, <laughs> going to training. BJ's training for his fight too, guys. <laughs> here, getting in fights with snow cone guys and peanut guys and beer vendors and... Getting knocked the fuck and out. Not, and, and the the one prior, he didn't even finish him. You know what I'm saying? He was laying in guard. <laughs> in the second, he couldn't finish the cigarette and mint guy from the strip club bathroom. <laughs> and, you know, and then now you're getting kind of look like an open hand shot too, and you're telling bums to hit you, hit you. I mean, the guy's completely broken, destitute, man. I feel bad for the guy. And you know, hopefully Nick can. Uh, Smack him on the ass and kick him, kick him on his way out of here. Man. Oh man, it's <laughs> yeah, like <don't> <laughs> how much more CTE did he get from that knockout on the street, and how much more is he going to get from this head kick from Nick? <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever heard Nick's Lentz interview with Ariel Hawani, but he said when uh, him and Dolce and then went out to Hawaii to go train with BJ, he literally had bums hanging around in his gym. Nick got there and he said, like homeless people. <laughs> he was like, B- you know, there's bumps in your gym, right? <laughs> And BJ only wanted to train for 30 minutes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They wanted to do one little, uh, route, you know, a couple rounds of rolling and that a, was A it. couple of light rolls and then we go do some cocaine. <laughs> he just wanted to do some light rolls and that was it. So, you know, BJ's fucked up. Now, if it's under minus 1,000, do you recommend they put their whole accounts on it? I mean, look. If you want to bet your mom's house or dad's house, <laughs> what are the chances of Nick? Do- what are the chances of Nick slipping on a banana peel or getting DQ? There's just no chance. I mean, you saw what happened when he fought on one the old uh, other old faded vet, uh, Gray Maynard. I mean, that was a 10-7 round the first round. It was bad. <laughs> but right now, we're worrying about Shenzhen. And make sure you guys go to bestfightpicks.com. Use the promo code Fortune to save 10% off any VIP package. Shout out to my boy Tyrell Fortune. Look out for that interview dropping soon. And Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Shenzhen? My fight to watch is going to be Demir Ismagulov versus Tiago Moises. Look, 
surprisingly, a lot of people feel like Demir, not surprisingly, but Demir, let's put it this way, he had a fight opportunity versus Joe Duffy, you know, on the line. He's not too far off from getting these fights and, versus uh, these big names. Where did Joe go? And Joe went running, as, <laughs> which he is known for. <laughs> that, that Canadian air, it weakens the chin. <laughs> and, you know, I feel like Demir, if he can come out here, get a win, you know, he can uh, possibly get moved up, pushed up a little quicker than usual uh, in these fights with these uh, top 20, 25 guys. And, you know, if Moises can get this one, hey, he's he's living back up to that bill that they had a couple years ago when they said this was a guy that, uh, you know, when Poye and all these guys were saying, look out for this guy, Moises. My boy Eves Edwards yeah, is hyping saying, him up. No, this guy, Moises. Is, he's like his dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he's got a, it's a lot on the line for him too. So that's my fight to watch. Yeah, I mean, anytime you got the lightweight division, you know, in one of the featured bouts, I'm definitely going to be tuning in. But for me, man, I mean, I think the fans already know which fight I'm going with. Eliza Zaleski dos Santos Lijing Liang. I mean, besides the main event, tell me how you're not going to be watching a Zaleski fight. Oh, and guess what? He's got a willing dance partner in Lee the Leech. So I just think it's going to be chaos. I think it's guaranteed that if someone doesn't get knocked the fuck out, these two are going to the hospital, man. So that's my fight to watch. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Shenzhen? My fighter to watch is going to be... Jessica Batea Strachan-Jai, this girl is not getting enough credit at the current moment. I mean, I don't, and I don't see why. So we're going to find out on Saturday. And, uh, you know, I feel like if she can get this win, now she her career is going to ascend in a, in a different level now because when you look at the, the contenders we got coming up at Strawweight, look, I know Joanna has the win over her, but Joanna's on the last leg of her career. And Judge might be starting a possible run here, you know what I'm saying, of, you know, a lot of title defenses. You know, there's a, you know, we got girls like Soros who, quite frankly, I think would get absolutely butchered if they put her in there with Andrade. But those are the girls coming up. So, you know, if this is their so-called toughest test, Wiley Zhang, Andrade has a possible title run uh, on the horizons for her. You mean many title defenses? Many title defenses. Oh, I could definitely see it. For me, my father to watch is Andre Sukumtut. And that might sound kind of funny to you guys, but I actually think this is an opportunity for him to not just get a win, but to kind of ensure that he stays in the UFC. And let me let me tell you what I mean by that. If he loses this fight to Suma Jerry, bye, Andre. You know what I'm saying? But if he wins this fight, how I think he's going to win in highlight real fashion, all of a sudden, he's got a knockout over Luke Sanders. He's got a dominant decision over Jonathan Martinez. And if he goes out here, knocks out or submits Suma Jerry, that's three... Pretty impressive wins in the UFC for Andre Sukumta, and while they might feed him to another prospect, at least we know he's going to keep his job inside the octagon, and he's a very exciting fighter, win or lose, so Andre Sukumta is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday around 3 a.m. in Shenzhen, China. They can follow you at MMAGenus05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. Our bets are available at bestfightpicks.com. Make sure you use that promo code FORTUNE to save 10% off any VIP package. Or if you just want to hit up my boy Shaq, use the promo code Shaq to save 10% off any of Shaq's packages. Make sure you do that at bestfightpicks.com. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and all the other places that we are available. Thank you guys all so much for the support. We can't wait to show you uh, what we got in the works. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.